Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody? Hello. I am not the usual face. Uh, that introduces the show, but uh, I'm excited. I get to introduce the show. Welcome to Comic Book Nation, the only podcast that does it all for gay culture. We are on season five, episode 10, and I have a star-studded crew with me uh, holding down for Kofi. What's up? Kofi's enjoying some much-needed uh, vacation, so he will, of course, be back soon. Uh, in the meantime, I am Matt Aguilar, and with me is the always amazing Janelle Wheeler. Hi, guys. <laughs> the amazingness that is Connor Casey. What up? And turn up Charlie himself, Charlie Ridgely. Hey guys, it's good to be it's good to be back. Yeah, new father Charlie Ridgely. Look at that, that's amazing. Glad to have you back on the show, buddy. Uh, of course, we have a star-studded crew for a reason. We've got a very packed show, and I'm going to cut uh, this opening monologue very short because <laughs> we got a lot of things to get into. We are going to review Scream Six. Uh, Charlie, we doing spoilers or not spoiler on that one? Uh, no, I think with with Scream, it's you know. It's hard to really do spoilers a heavy because the movies kind of hinge on the spoilers, yeah, yeah. hinge on the twists. So uh, right, we'll just kind of no keep it spoiler free today. Cool. Spoiler free review. So don't worry if you haven't seen it. You got plenty of time, but we're going to get you hyped for it. We're also going to go into the Last of Us uh, season one finale. See if you can handle it. We're going to talk about the new episode of The Mandalorian. We're also going to talk about Punisher in the MCU. Then we have an amazing interview with Tom King about the newly announced Wonder Woman series. And of course, comics so uh let's get into it let's start with scream six because that is i mean look I'm, I'm hearing all the stuff about this being as good as the original some people saying maybe better i don't know there's a lot of there's a lot of buzz about this uh what do you what are your thoughts uh so i there is a lot of buzz i think there's a buzz for good reason uh as good as the original is really hard you know scream is one of the greatest horror films ever made in my opinion um it's very hard to touch what Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson did with that original movie. But I think this is one of the better sequels the franchise has had. Um, it is a very, very brutal slasher movie. Uh, it's much more of a slasher than, you know, some of the other screams have been. Uh, it, it really gets gruesome. It kind of gets gory, which is, you know, more so than a lot of the other scream movies. Uh, but it is also very smart and really, really well executed. And, this whole thing is set in New York, which is a first for the franchise. I'm sorry if you can hear a baby in the background. Uh, he doesn't want to go to sleep. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, this is a first, you know, kind of moving to New York. And that was, I think, my biggest concern going into the movie. Um, but they did a really, really great job of actually using New York to their advantage. Like a lot of the set pieces. If you guys remember Jason Takes Manhattan, it's like one of the most maligned slasher sequels of all time um friday the 13th it, it, most of it takes place on a boat and jason's just on a boat killing people going to new york and then he like gets there and then the movie kind of ends a few minutes later um this really makes use of new york it doesn't kind of fall into the same issues of like using new york as a gimmick it you know they they have a big set piece on a subway like we've seen in the trailers and it's really thrilling and really intense and uh there's some some good stuff it's like some high-rise apartments and some old like new york style theaters like there's a big bodega sequence like it, they really use kind of the crowded atmosphere uh to their advantage and it ends up being really effective and really creepy um so i think it's i think it's a, a more well-executed slasher just kind of you know bare bones straightforward slasher than dude than most uh than most of the scream sequels but um it is it is very very satisfying i'm someone who's a huge scream fan and and for me i had an absolute blast watching this movie um it's like the one of the best opening sequences in any scream movie you know scream kind of note oh, like the opening yeah. opening sequence is a big thing you know the original killed drew barrymore in the opening sequence like one of the biggest shock twists to start a movie ever she was like at the center of the marketing like it was she was one of the stars of the movie and they kill her off in the first scene and it was this whole big to do and scream movies have always tried to kind of replicate that this is really the most original one since the first movie the most you know inventive and, and surprising opening scene since the first movie and it kind of sets a really fun tone for the whole thing uh you know i gotta say uh, visually just i think having it in new york was the one of the things that really caught me 
visually, like just in the first trailers, like got me excited again. Cause I was like, Oh, I, you're just not used to seeing Ghostface in a bodega. You know what I mean? Like it's not something and with a shotgun, like it's not, <laughs> it's not something that yeah. you're used to. Seeing. So like that immediately caught my attention. I'm, I'm excited. Did anyone else, by the way, have a chance to see this yet? Or I just want to make sure I don't cut anyone off. Janelle, I, I'm still so scarred from like the first one that I I never liked Scream. It scared me so hardcore. Oh, yeah, okay. I know. I'm not I'm not a horror genre person because yeah. when I was young, I never did. But now I'm starting to realize like all the shows that I watch are pretty much like slasher things. Like The Walking Dead was it's like bloody and stuff. It's all the stuff that I never really liked. Now I watch tons of shows, Game of Thrones, like all these shows that have tons of blood and guts and gore. So I don't know. Maybe I should try horror. I mean, I, I will, to your credit, Janelle, it is very different. Like, is you know, this is something I learned watching these movies with my wife. Um, you know, when we were dating, you know, I, or maybe we were engaged at the time, um, there was a re-release of the original Halloween in theaters. And I hadn't seen it in years. It was one of my favorite movies. And I was like, hey, go see this. And she's like, I don't like scary movies. I'm like, it's not. It's from the 70s. It's not scary. Like, it's going to be more cheap. And we get there and we're like 20 minutes in. And I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot how wrong I was. <laughs> I forgot this is terrifying. <laughs> Especially because, you know, like you talk about Walking Dead and Game of Thrones. You have a post-apocalypse scenario. You have, yeah, right. you know, old knights and dragons. This These movies are very real life. I mean, yeah, the screen ones get really fun and meta with it. But at the end of the day, it is like they're teenagers yeah. in, you know, a suburb. Like it is very close to home. You know, the first screams that scene yeah. with Drew Barrymore, she's a, a teen girl at home by herself. Yep. And I know that that's a terrifying place to put yourself <laughs> in. Yes. Um, and so it really does like to me, you know, just growing up and watching movies so many times, they're fun, but like watching them for the first time, it, it they are like, they Intense. are terrifying. And yeah. I kind of, I, I was reminded of that. You know, watching this with, with my who actually okay, that makes uh, me feel better about the being a weenie. And I was like, oh, this movie's so funny. Like, yeah, it's 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 kind of intense, but it's also you know, it's really meta. It's really funny. And she was like, after the Drew Barrymore, she's like, I'm not having a good time. I yeah. don't, I don't like what's happening here. Sounds like uh, sounds like when I went and replayed the original Silent Hill just on Ooh, a whim, God. and then scared. Like, I I literally stopped and was like, I why did I do this again? I don't know why I did this. Uh, there is a question in the chat that actually. Um, is a good one for I know that there are returning characters in this from the franchise. I know Hayden Penitieri, right, comes back and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, is this a movie? JW Jordan 28 asks, is this a movie where you have to remember what happened in all five previous movies, or can you jump right in? Um, so with Scream, like it's all kind of connected, but at the same time, so connected. If you just have kind of passing knowledge of what's happened before, the really the most important one to this one is the one that came right before it. This okay. really is a direct sequel to last year's screen. Um, there, there's obviously there are callbacks and there are things about the original movies. Like there's a lot of stuff there, but it is a very direct sequel to five. Um, okay. it, it follows that story, you know, flawlessly. Um, there are a lot of callbacks. If there's one that you need to revisit, you know, uh, there's a, there's a, you know, they always have a monologue in the movie about the rules and, you know, the like what kind of movie they're in. Um, and they talk about franchises and, you know, how this is the second movie of a new trilogy. And so not only is it going to be a sequel to the first one, but it also kind of has to remake the original second one. You know, they kind of get really deep with it. And this really is that. It is a sequel to Scream 5, but it also has a lot of the same DNA as Scream 2. Um, okay. You don't need to have go back and watch Scream 2 again if you don't want to, but it there it is kind of fun to watch that and then watch this and see some of the similarities. You know, on the surface, they're going to college. Like, they go to college and Scream 2. You know, then there's a lot more as the movie unfolds that you'll kind of see connect, but um, it is, it does have a lot of the same kind of DNA as Scream awesome. 2. Awesome. Uh, I know uh, we got to let you go here. Connor, do you have anything you want to ask about Scream? Fun fact about me I have never seen a single Scream movie. Ooh, so wow. I will get to that eventually. Wow. Oh, Connor, you got Richard. Wow. That's, how, I know. that's how bad that <laughs> Rich is. came on screen. Richard Rich and I went to Scream together. He came to the, the screen like, simultaneously. Oh, watching Richard watch Scream was as fun as watching Scream. Um, <laughs> what did Richard you Richard is an animated movie fan, and I really loved getting to like watch that together. We were just like, it was called parts. We just like grabbed each other. Like, oh, like <laughs> things were happening. And we were like, we were in a row by ourselves. We were just like kind of like shaking and freaking out. Charlie, can you speak to the chemistry of the cast? Because that's one thing that uh, I don't know. I liked about I, I told you I was excited for the next movies to come. Just watching the cast because I love the 
just how good, how well they were together on screen. It was fun to watch. It was very exciting. And uh, I don't know. I, I thought that. Yeah, was I mean, Scream has always kind of had the, the original three cast members, and this is the first time they kind of break them up. You know, Dewey died in Scream Five, and uh, Neve Campbell did not come back for this movie um, because of of the contract, which you know, totally understandable. So the only original cast member here is is Gail Weathers, played by Courtney Cox. Um, but they do return what kind of becomes known as the core four. Uh, there's four characters from Scream Five. They were introduced, you know, Sam and Tara and Mindy and Chad, and. Chad kind of dubs them all the core four and they're all going to survive together every time. Like that's their, what they're going to try to do. I'm really sorry about the child. Um, <laughs> Buddy, chill out. Uh, <laughs> they, they all work really, really well together. You know, Mindy and Chad, especially have a great chemistry as twins. Um, they work really well together. Mason Gooding, who plays Chad is phenomenal in this movie. He's so funny. He's got great timing, really charismatic. Um, and the relationship between Sam and Tara is really, really interesting as sisters. You know, Sam has a lot of baggage because of her dad, Billy Loomis, the original killer. And that plays into their relationship a lot. Uh, also, Chris uh, Chipperson, I'm sorry <laughs> for the spoiler for Scream 5. <laughs> sorry for the Scream 5. I said I'm not no sorry. Spoilers. It came out. It came out a year ago. I said there would be no spoilers for Scream 6. I said there's nothing not, about oh. Scream 5. There's <laughs> Everything not. else is fair game. But yeah, I, just, no, I do it, apologize. Um, I'm, I'm going to, I'll spoil the old ones, but, uh, you know. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, well, Charlie, I know you got to get out of here. I, I do appreciate yeah, you let, hopping let me see, on. Let me see if he'll, he'll calm down a little bit. I'll try and go put it. I was trying to put it out for nap for this, this special occasion, <laughs> this return to Comic Book Nation. He wanted none of it. No, no it's nap perfect, from Hank. It was hey. it was not in his agenda. Hey, uh, kids, he uh, wanted to cry and spit up on his dad. So, um, <laughs> kids you know, are on what he wants schedule, to do typically ours. wins out. <laughs> no, no worries, man. Uh, we will <laughs> we will catch you later, sir. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Charlie. Talk to you guys. I will see you guys actually very soon uh, back here on Comic Nation. Yay. Yeah, buddy. Let's go. <laughs> All right, that's amazing. Uh, you can check out our full review of Scream 6 on comicbook.com and plenty of other coverage as well. So uh, let's uh, dive in real quick to the Last of Us finale. Well, actually, no, I'm going to switch things up because uh, let's talk about Punisher. Okay. Uh, there was some big news that hit. Um, Daredevil's new show is, you know, obviously one of the most anticipated of the next, kind of of this next phase. And it was real recently that... Uh, John Bernthal will be returning as the Punisher in that show. Uh, now, Praise obviously, <laughs> well, <laughs> so I was, gonna go, I was actually going to go to you first because I I know you're like a big fan. Also, Huge. I think I think everyone can agree. Like, I mean, there's a lot of love for the Netflix approaches to those characters. That's why having Charlie Cox back as Daredevil is such a big thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so. How do you feel about this? Are you excited? Is it? Oh my do God. you want it to be a one-off? Do you want it to be a full-on introduction series? Oh how, how gosh, you I'm um, I'm always really, I I kind of go into these situations like just dipping my toe in it because I'm, I kind of feel like I encompass the peeps that maybe didn't watch the Netflix. Um, and I am worried like about them. I want to make sure that they fall in love with the character and this him in this role as much as I did because I did watch the shows. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's really hard because like the casual viewer is so hard to win over sometimes. And so that's like my only thing that I'm worried about. I am selfishly pumped out of my <laughs> mind. Like he was my favorite. I mean, I will say it. He's my favorite character on any of the Netflix uh, Defenders shows. Like, I wow. love him. He's my favorite actor in that role. Um, and I just, like, I loved it. So I kind of watched these out of order, and I started with Punisher, and then I watched oh, Daredevil. Interesting. So, okay. um, so, yeah. So I just kind of, like, I feel like you kind of, like, fall in love with the first one that you really sink your teeth into. And I love him from The Walking Dead obviously right. and i can't like, protect the rick i saw that brand <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh the memes i i love him so much i'm i honestly i just want him to get like so much shine and like the most content possible for me so if it's a series like full-blown like 25 episodes because <laughs> <laughs> disney plus likes to do that i'm just kidding <sighs> um but yeah the more the merrier for me on this guy yeah connor how you feeling Allow me to drop a grenade. 
Oh, boy. Even though Kofi's not here, I'm still going to throw one. Even though you just (laughs) dropped one by never seeing any of the Scream movies. I know, I know. know. That's on me. But I will put the first and third season of Daredevil up against any other superhero TV show in terms of quality. I love that show that freaking much. The second season, however, has a lot of problems. John Barenthal as the as the Punisher was not one of those problems. Right. The first four episodes are effectively the Punisher arc, and then there's a bit sprinkled in in the latter episodes with his trial. That is the undisputed highlight of that season. Everything else about that with the hand and Electra didn't work, and I I think how they handled the hand was a big part of why no one talks about the Defenders anymore, even though so much of that project was building up to that miniseries. Love the fact that John Barenthal is back. I think it's a little weird that he's coming back, but they've already said that Foggy yeah. and uh, is it Karen aren't aren't coming back. Nope. Yeah. So they're done. as of yet, as of now. Which, which I'm is actually bummed. I'm bummed about that, but um, but I don't think I I, I I see no problem with this. I don't think they're going to bring back like Jigsaw or any of the characters from his show. Yeah, probably not because that if we're being honest with ourselves, season two of Punisher kind of ran out of steam there at the end and just bringing him in and bringing that performance, no complaints. I don't even think Disney is going to necessarily tone down the violence because when you bring in a character like that, it is effectively unavoidable. Yeah. Also, they've shown that. I mean, Moon Knight showed you can do a show that hits hard with and stay within you know, your ratings. I, I don't think they Pun- mess- Punisher went hard. Like it did, but the, I'm the saying final like, scene of the first season yeah. with him scraping the face down the glass. Like right. they might have to play some camera tricks to get. Yeah. Something like and that it's off. not like fantasy, like Moon Knight. Moon Knight's like they're in like weird dimensions and stuff. Like this is just kind of like gritty, dirty city yeah, beating people Deadpool. to a pulp. Yeah. But we I mean, don't like, know, I, but we don't don't know think, how that Deadpool looks like if right, he's suddenly just playing think, a sin of demons or something. Unless they just completely lay an egg. I don't I think the whole like Disneyfication of these hardcore characters is a little overblown. I don't think it will be that. I don't think these characters will all of a sudden be like, oh, hey, we don't have guns anymore. We only use spatulas. Like, I don't think <laughs> that's kind of how it's played up a lot. And I don't think that's real. I, I just don't think that at the end yeah. of the day, Disney wants to make money. Okay, and while they will, I do agree with you, they will tone down, there will be probably scenes of like, you know, to to let wrestling in. We're not going to get a pizza cutter of the forehead, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Like, we're not going to get that stuff, but we're also not going to get where they're slap fighting. I think I think there's a nice in between, and they've shown that they can kind of go there. But Um, now that now that you've said that, all I want is to see Nick Gage as Punisher. How, no, how please, dare you, man? No, stop. <laughs> it. Take that, take that grenade out of here. Thank you, baby. Oh my god. Uh, real quick before we uh go to break, let's see here. Uh, let's stay in the let's stay in the brutal side of things. We will table the Mandalorian talk for after, maybe a little bit later. Uh, let's talk the Last of Us finale. Um, this one we did say it would uh throw some people there was going to be some people that like you know oh my god my heart hurts that's what i feel like that's all you see on twitter mm-hmm. after like a last of us episode uh this one very much you know played into that I, I am very curious to see what happens in season two because the second game is even more <laughs> it's even more brutal um what did you guys think of uh of the of the finale were you satisfied do you think people will react wait that well? was the finale that wasn't the season- finale that was that was season episode eight See, sorry, episode eight. Okay, I, I was like, if that's the finale, the finale's, on, the finale's this weekend, and <laughs> yes. it's going up Kobe against put the Oscars. The finale. I blame Kobe. <laughs> so, I, I, Matt, I've, I've got a, I've got a bit of a hot take with this one too. Um, I'm just, I'm just firing off grenades today. Uh, when it comes to The Last of Us, every time I've said, "Wow, I really like that edition," and I look it up, and it was something that was added in that wasn't in the game. I go, holy crap, they're they're elevating the the product. I love what they're doing. This was the first episode where I felt like they took a misstep because I, I was watching it and I was like, why isn't this connecting with me like the rest of the season has? So then I went and I watched a gameplay of this whole sequence mm-hmm. with David and with Ellie and whatnot. And it clicked on it, it dawned on me that they added in the preacher aspect to David 
that that was only hinted at in the game. And if you if you actually go on Reddit, they're like, yeah, there was more of it that was even cut. But clearly that was the initial intention and it was just it was pulled. And I feel like when they added in the preacher aspect, the character was pulled in five different directions and didn't go far enough in any of them. And it's why I felt like this ep- a lot of this episode works, but David doesn't. And I think part of I don't want to blame the actor because I don't know what the direction was, but he wasn't creepy enough to be like he was in the game because he's a heck of a lot creepier in that version. He's not domineering enough to where I believe he could be a leader of people. He's not tyrannical enough. And we don't we only get the one real scene that indicates like he's kind of a bastard. Uh, The creepiness was played down to the point where it's not clear how how legitimately pedophilic this guy is. And I feel like there was an issue with that. And the whole thing about I'm religious, but I found religion in the cordyceps and to not have any infected in this episode where normally I've been fine when it's just people, but to have his character be so intertwined with the infected and to not see any infected, in this episode when in the game there actually is a sequence where Ellie and David are fighting off infected. I felt like that was a missed opportunity. Let me put it to you this way, Matt. If I were to tell you before this episode came out that Ellie is going to run into a cannibalistic cult led by a tyrannical pastor pedophilic leader that is going to end in a building that is on fire with Ellie slashing up his face with a machete the first word that does not come to mind is subtlety. <laughs> and they played so much of this subtle, and I felt like that was a mistake. Yeah, it took too long to get scary, I feel. Like, there wasn't enough tension building. I hear you on this, like, completely, especially because of my Walking Dead background. They kind of were really good at building up that, like, tension. Oh, my gosh. Like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I didn't feel feel that i also think they were leading us to think that like joel was going to come in and save the day i never once felt that i think they wanted me to feel that but i was like he's not coming like he's not going to make it there's absolutely no way um so i i do i actually agree with you on that and um and it really like i didn't play the game so i did not know that he wasn't a preacher but i love what chris said in the chat i think the preacher stuff made it scarier and felt like an allegory to religious fanatics in today's world i hear you on that too because it we're at a very strange time with religion in Mm -hmm. in our nation and um and that I feel like it was a missed opportunity because they could have really sent it like over the edge, like made it so scary. Right. Like um, I'm, I'm fine well, with yeah. the preacher aspect getting added in. There's just not enough of it. Right. Agreed. Like, this could have really benefited from a two episode arc. As also like just cramming it all into one. It took well, me a minute to realize that they were cannibals. Like yeah. I like all I saw was like a hand <laughs> on the ground. I was like, okay, like someone got their hand cut off. Like I didn't know that it was a cannibal situation. It took me a minute. Like, um, so if, I think if you did not play the game, you weren't as freaked out because you really did not know what the stakes were. Yeah. Well, we will have to table it there because we have a very special guest on the horizon. Uh, but uh, definitely check out all of our coverage on The Last of Us. And we will definitely come back to this when the real season finale is. <laughs> we'll talk about it all. So uh, we will be uh, right back with uh, Tom King. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. back everybody uh also our ad music is a bop man that thing is that's catchy uh so our our guest uh needs no special introduction but i'm gonna do one anyway uh an esteemed uh writer for dc comics he's worked on so many of your favorite characters we are welcoming new wonder woman writer tom king to the show 
Hey! Hey, how's it going? Um, what a pleasure yeah. to be on here. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you for stopping by. I know it's a busy time and uh, today's been a busy day of, of announcements. Oh, man. Going it's, on it's, it's crazy busy. It's been a busy week, a busy month, a busy year. But thank you for having me on because I know you guys have been busy as I am. So I appreciate it. Oh, well, uh, I, I'm excited. Look, uh, you are, of course, for those who don't uh, know the news, uh, Tom is going to be joining up with Daniel Samper on Wonder Woman number one, which comes out later this year in September. Uh, you guys will be the new creative team. Um, just to kind of. Ooh, I'm uh, nervous. Guess, just you saying it out loud makes me nervous. <laughs> is it, I was going to say, has it hit out. yet? Yeah, no, it has not. It has not hit yet. You know, it's been a secret. It's the first day it's out and hearing you say it, I was like, oh, crap. I hope I wrote it right. I hope I wrote it good. <laughs> it's a big pressure situation. Well, um, you know, what I guess just to kind of from the character perspective, uh, what stands out to you about Wonder Woman, uh, Diana as a character, and what do you what do you hope to bring to the forefront in this series? The second part is easier, so let me just start with that one. Uh, to me, I I, I kind of write two kinds of comics. If you if you followed my career, I write these kind of deconstruction kind of sad dude looking out window comics, which I love. Uh, things like Mister Miracle, Human Target, Vision. Uh, uh, which are which are like deconstructions of superheroes where I'm sort of taking them apart, putting them together, looking at what makes them tick and having sort of fun at the same time. And then I, I've written things like Superman Up in the Sky, uh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, which are not that. I mean, they they deal with trauma. They're huge, big stories. They're epic. They, they have ups and downs. But the point of those stories is to say this character is almost perfect, is, a, is wonderful and has such strength in them that comes from a legacy of being you know, in all this media and having all these writers. And my goal as an artist, as a writer, is to show you how awesome they are. And so that's what Wonder Woman is. It's not a deconstruction. I'm not tearing her apart and seeing how sad I can make her, uh, even in a way I, I did to Batman. The, the point of this book is to show you how awesome Wonder Woman is. It is to show you a kick-ass warrior. It is to show you someone who fights for peace. It, it, it's, it's to show you someone who is a rebel against the system. So it, that that's all of it. The, the, this is to, this is to put the highlight on a character who doesn't need to be fixed. Um, so that that's what I, that's my that's the intention for the book. It's just sometimes Wonder Woman can fall out of the Trinity. I think people go to Batman and Superman first, and I I wanted to you know she 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 deserves to stand up there. Like because I remember my daughter dressing up as Wonder Woman like three years in a row, and what it meant for her to like ask for a lasso, and my wife and I buying a rope and you know like painting it. So, like I, I want I want her to be worthy of sort of that. Of, of of what my daughter sees in her, and that that's my goal. Um, as for like who she is as a character, I mean she's a contradiction. I mean, she, that's that's the hard part about it. Hard part of writing her is, is that she's a, a almost radical in sort of her her belief in love, compassion, and peace. Uh, uh, she, she, much more so than sort of Superman and Batman. But she's also you know a warrior born. You know she she's someone who comes from a, a society. Uh, involved in sort of an endless conflict who trains you to fight you know she, she, she comes from sort of that game of thrones atmosphere uh and and those two contradictions i are, are live inside of her she's someone who uh wants peace but makes war and and her having to deal with that i think makes her one of the more interesting characters in fiction well and it's interesting too that you this particular story i feel like is actually a, a perfect spotlight for that because she's always been such an ally to America and to the Justice League and now with the AXE it's like hey we you know you're not even allowed here anymore and we don't you know we how how does she start to kind of how does she process that uh I mean, all that she, stuff is out there. People know what the story is about now. Yeah, Holy man. Crap, I this, man. <laughs> this is live TV now. I'm finding this out in the real time. Uh, yeah. To to me, what you know, I've written, I think at this point, more Batman than anyone alive or close. Uh, and I've written some big Superman stuff. Uh, and, and and now on Wonder Woman and how to sort of differentiate her from those other sort of two pillars of our universe. And uh, to me, she's Superman is, is, you know, he's truth justice in the American way. He's the boy scout. He, he's, uh, he, he stands, you know, for the American flag. And, and, and that's, I, I like him. I like him as that as, as sort of, he's, he's very much like, I want to create, you know, he's of the system. I want the system to work as best as it can. And Batman's kind of almost the same way, but on the dark side of that, like Batman is enforcing the law. He's like, you know, he's against lawbreakers. I know it's about justice and not law for Batman, 
but in, in, in some sense, he's just kind of, you know, fighting crime. What is crime? Crime is breaking the law. Wonder Woman's not that. Wonder Woman is more rebellious than that. Wonder Woman is not with the system. She's not trying to enforce the system. She's against the system. She's rebellious. She's iconoclastic. Um, and then I wanted to bring that out in her. So yeah, so in, in this, she has sort of, uh, she's not with the government, she's against the government, which I, I think in sort of our modern times, a lot of us have had the sort of the instinct that there are some great injustices happening um, with the people in power. And, and and I wanted Wonder Woman to be the person who says, you know, who stands against that. Absolutely. Well, and we've, we've only seen a little bit so far, but uh, the artwork from Daniel just looks fantastic. Oh uh, yeah. You know, it's, and we've only seen a cover, yeah, like one page. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, you know, what can you tease about what, you know, he brings to the book and to this character? Well, like I, I was, from the beginning, you know, when they first saw, I, I, Daniel was on this book before. I, I was very hesitant. I think Wonder Woman's a very hard character to write. I think she's harder than Superman and Batman. And one of the things, you know, if I wanted to write her, I wanted to give her not the feel of, of, of a quiet book. I love quiet artists. I, I work with the best quiet artists in the game, people like Jorge Fornes and Mitch Garretts, um, uh, Greg Smallwood, the guys who can turn down the volume and give you the most intimate of moments. Uh, but I didn't want to make, th this was not going to be a quiet book. This was a loud book. I wanted this to be a Jim Lee book, a Rob Liefeld book, a Todd McFarlane book. And 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 for that kind of, to give Wonder Woman that sort of energy, you know, that that sort of, that energy I had when I was a kid and I, and I opened X-Men number one and I just wanted to go out in the yard and, and, and pretend I was Cyclops and pretend I was Magneto. Uh, and, and, you know, we have Wolverine Claw. Like, that's what I wanted to give. And that's what Daniel brings. He brings that McFarlane energy, that Jim Lee energy. It's 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 the kind of comics that you read and you immediately see yourself in them and you come out of it. I, I have a nine year old kid and you know when when he when he reads a good book he jumps out of it and he's playing the game afterwards. He's swinging punches, he's throwing <laughs> ropes, you know, he's pretending he's Pokemon. Like that's, that's what Daniel does. He brings you into the book and makes and makes it cool and 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 uh, and hard in, in, in the way the best comic artists do. That's awesome. Okay, so I I have to jump in here. Because one of our other hosts, his name is Kofi. I don't know if you <laughs> recall, but of he course, is one of your biggest fans. And he oh, is yeah, he's, he's my favorite host. I love him. <laughs> he's he's <laughs> so sad that he's missing out on this time with Steve, you. So, Kofi, why aren't you here? I know. Oh, that's it's it. like he has kids too, so and mean. he's like probably playing comic book, I don't know. Clearly, I'm the one here who does not have kids, me and Connor. Oh um, so we're gonna give a big That's, shout out. That was out a to good Kofi. decision. Well done. I well, kids are just too hard. We'll I see. Do, I do <laughs> but um, so I'm gonna ask a question on behalf of him because he had to get his hand in here somehow. So, do you think comics in general should be more of a literary experience with denser dialogue and more complex play with time and space? I, that's such a Kofi question. I love yeah, it. it really is. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely a Kofi question. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say, because I'm a kind of guy who very much wants to write literary comics, who very much wants to write comics that can stand up there with what anyone's done with prose, not just in terms of uh, adventure, but in terms of analysis. And you know, I I want I want people to to read my comics in colleges and stuff. Um, but I'm going to go the opposite direction and say, no, I don't think comics need oh. to be a literary, need to be a literary. Media. Comics, uh, uh, the best, look, I love that stuff. I, I love analysis. I love the deep stuff, but I think the best thing a comic book can do. And I, I swear to God, it's from the heart. It's like the world is so hard. Every day is so hard. Getting through the goddamn day is hard. And if you can pick up a comic book, and get 20 minutes off from that stress and disappear into it for 20 minutes. That to me is more important than any sort of literary connection you can have or some sort of transcendence. Oh my God, I saw God by looking in this book. Like if, if, if you've been, you've been working all day, you've been, you know, editing video or you've been, you know, digging a ditch or washing the toilet, whatever you're doing. And, and you get a chance to sit down on a couch, put on some good music, read a comic book, you know, or, or, you know, you know, I'm, I know what my medium is. If you're just on the, you're a dude on the toilet, you know, for 20 minutes, you know, you've got that time <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you disappear and that stress disappears. Then, then that's the point of the medium to me. 
And you know, you've given that to so many people. I hope you know that. Like, that's really special. <laughs> I've given yeah. so much toilet time. Yes. Yeah, so, so much. much. For me, it's yes. the bathtub, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why, like, I actually need the book and not, like, to read it digitally. It's important. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That's, yeah. Good point. Yeah, save, save a lot of lives that way. But that's a beautiful answer. And it, like, honestly, as I'm a kind of a newbie comic reader, I started reading during the pandemic. So awesome. um, you have you truly have, like, given so many people including myself that and it is it is that like comic books are that and i love that you kind of like hit that that's exactly right <laughs> well tell tell kofi i appreciate the question I'm i sorry. will he's not here and <laughs> obviously it's more important than his kids so I know <laughs> he's just making the wrong choices in his life that's all i'm saying well, Tom, I'm up next. Uh, been a big fan of yours for a long time. I remember That's when nice. you uh, were starting the Batman run, I was reading it as it came out. And there's a question I've always had from that run that I've wanted to ask you. Uh, there's that mini arc you have uh, called The Gift, and it, it heavily involves Booster Gold. And I've always wondered, you gave him such a tragic edge in that run and then with the Heroes in Crisis. And it was so different from what I had seen from his other, the other comics he had been in from the animated series. And I was just wondering why you looked at that character and said, I have a very different take for him. It's funny because I, I think Booster Gold is the most fun character to write in comics. I've told Dan Jurgens this, you know, I've praised him to the belly. You just created the most fun character ever to write. <laughs> and, 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 and that said, I write him wrong. Um, I write him as Zap Brannigan from Futurama uh, as opposed to, uh, uh, to, to what Dan's is, which is a little, a little more serious, a little more competent. I make him a little goofier, sure. uh, and and uh, to me, I mean, th those two books they came sort of back to back, and I I I think the I I mean, first of all, I, I, to give Booster just some depth, I think because he has a very interesting origin story. He's a very cool origin story about a guy who felt like he was nothing in the future and wanted to be something in the past. And that's, you know, that's a goofy concept, but if you think about it, like how many of us have been in that situation where we sort of look around and we're like, we feel like we're ignored by the world and that we're, that we're just, you know, that, that, that if, if, if we just stopped going, no one would even notice. And he, he had that feeling. And then he, so he, he had to embrace, you know, go into the past and try to erase. Like to, to me, that's, that's a, that's a huge leap and something. And I feel like that feeling comes from a place of, you know, um, a trauma is like an easy word, but but a place of experience that we can all relate to. You know, but people who come to comics, I mean, this is this is a generalization, and it's, it's not always true. But we appeal to alienated people. Um, I was an alienated kid. I was a kid in the corner who you know couldn't do a basketball. So that's that's one of the joys of our medium is that we give people who feel alienated by the world um, a, a place to come, almost like a ticket to a community they can belong to. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I, I wanted to say that the, the booster had a little bit of that in him, that some of that fun was laced with some of that. Sure. Uh, that said, when I, when I wrote him in uh, Human Target recently, I just made him all funny. So <laughs> I, I'm over my booster trauma at this point. <laughs> That's so great. Okay. Well, I feel like we have to do this. Touching on the movie side of things. We recently found out that Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow is making it into the first chapter of DC's movie rollout. Yes, it's actually one of the things I'm most excited about personally. Um, what was the feeling when you learned that it was going to make it to live action? And uh, what do you hope to see most translated from comic to the big screen? Uh, I should say joy. I should say incredible joy. And it was so good, uh, especially to see, uh, you know, I'm so proud of Bilkis and I and, and Matt Lopez did on that book. And it's one of the things I'm, you know, sometimes, you know, you write something like, I have no idea if that's any good. It's probably pretty <laughs> crappy. But like, I was like, this is good. I think this is really good. And so it's just wonderful seeing it get out there in the world. So I should say all that. But I'm, I'm a nervous person. I'm a crazy person. I'm a writer. I, I All I do is talk about stress and alienation like I just You're did creative. for 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> I'm a creative, yes. So 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 mostly I, I, I was like, Oh, oh God, this is a big spotlight on this book. I hope people like it. You know, like, <laughs> like, oh, I, I hope I spell checked it. Did I spell check it? Okay, <laughs> crap. I should go back. Like, uh, there, there was definitely a streak of nervousness that went through, but I, I'm so excited about what's coming, um, from DC studios and, 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 and it just, if it feels to me like this is sort of a DC Renaissance that's coming, um, and, and almost like it, it's already started, like we're already sort of in the midst of it with this dawn of DC and, uh, 
um, Shazam's getting great reviews. And I, I, I think like these characters are going to shine in the next five years in a way they've haven't shined in, in so many years. And I, I, I'm just excited to be some small little part of that. Oh, give yourself more credit. You're huge. Also, also <laughs> like, shout out to Damon Streams by mentioning that, yeah, how awesome was it that when it was announced, all the copies of the trade sold out. Now they are yeah. back in stock from what I hear. So if you are looking for that, you should go out and grab one because I don't know how long that's going to last. <laughs> they are, yes. If 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 I if if you please go this this book is um if you're a father of a daughter or a daughter of a father or or just want to read a good story, I I I recommend I recommend something I wrote. That's such a stupid thing to say. <laughs> I'm just saying it's back in stock if you want to read it, people. Like it. That's all. That's all. Awesome. Awesome. Got her. Uh, Tom, I've got another uh, uh, DC movie question. Um, James, in his big announcement, one of the things that he confirmed was that the Bat family was finally going to make its way to screen. And that was, that was amazing to me because that always seemed like it was out of reach. Like, if we were ever going to introduce multiple Robins, Damien, that was going to come way down the road into a long running series. And to start with that, I thought was awesome. As somebody who in your own Batman run, you got to play with the Bat family. How do you, how important do you think it is to bring those characters to the screen to help evolve Bruce as a character? I mean, I can't really speak to the movie side of it because it's all super secret and um, short. Sure except to say that the people who are working on it are incredibly passionate about the comics. Like in a way you just wouldn't believe behind the scenes um, that, that the, these are actual super comic book fans who have read deep into the mythology and love these characters um, that I can say, cause I don't think that's a secret, uh, but I can talk to comic books. I can talk about sort of the comic context of it and uh, say what, what I always thought was just in, in writing Batman, what I always thought was amazing about Bruce as, as, a, as, a, as a hero is um, the fact that he was so broken because he, he grew up without, because his, his parents died and, and, and that trauma, he grew, grew up without parents. And, and, and so he grew up and, and Bruce is such a broken character. You know, he has so much pain and so much agony and that, that comes out in, in everything he does. And, and he, he, he turns that into a machine for justice and hope, which is good for the character, but it always lives inside him. And the fact that he created with that agony a family that is based on hope, people like Nightwing, people like Barbara, um, uh, Cassandra, like, like that to me seems like such a legacy to be someone who went through something so tough and you had to dedicate yourself not to pass that on to the next generation, but to pass on the good, the hope of it. And I, I think that that says so much about him as a character, that, that he doesn't use his pain to give other people pain. He uses his pain to give other people hope. Well, uh, I know we got to let you go. I would love to talk to you for forever. Uh, I want to, number one, Rich, if we can pop that uh, gorgeous artwork uh, on the screen while I uh, ask a question from the Ah, the so great. Look, that's a next kick ass already. That's that's, that's, uh, Daniel Simpor and Tomu Tomu on colors. It's gorgeous. Uh, And the interior is, oh my God, like that that one shot is is awesome. Um, Oh my God, if you could see the whole, so the first issue is oversized, it's 30 pages. Um, and I should say the story begins, there's a short, there's a short in, in um, Wonder Woman 800 that sort of begins everything. Uh, you don't have to read it to read the first issue. So I'm like, like panic if you can't get it, but it has a huge debut character. So if you're like a guy who wants to buy things and sell them on eBay and then buy more comics, that's the one to get. Shh, don't tell oh, awesome. Look at that. That's gorgeous. <laughs> uh, Damon Streams uh, from the chat asks, will we see her, Diana, team up with anyone or is this more of a solo focus on her book? Uh, it's more at the, at the beginning, it's again, it's very solo focused. Yes. I would say, I mean, there are lots of side characters and it's a, it's a big, big, big epic story that affects the entire history. Every time I launch a book, I say it affects the entire history of the DCU. So why are you going to fucking believe me? Sorry. I didn't believe him. <laughs> <laughs> but in all honesty, <laughs> this is, this is, I, I did not go small on this. This is not like one murder she has to solve. This is like something that, that, that touches the very beginnings of our country to today and, and, and the entire concept of sort of how the DCU works um, and, and Wonder Woman's at the center of that story. But in the beginning, it, yeah, it, it will be solely focused on Wonder Woman. They, like, like I said before, the, the goal of this book is to highlight this character. And, and, and I want the camera to be on her. I, I want you to see like how, 
how awesome it is to throw a tiara like C Captain America throws a shield. Um, how often, it, how awesome it is to use a lasso like Indiana Jones uses a whip. Um, that that that's the stuff I wanted to be focused on at the beginning. Awesome. Uh, well, of course, uh, Wonder Woman number eight hundred uh, hit stores on June twentieth, and Wonder Woman number one hits in September. Uh, Tom, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for for making the time and coming on, and uh, cannot wait to read this. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Rock. Thank you. Thank so you. No much. problem. You guys have a great day. Thanks. All right. Uh, well, that was our interview with Tom King. I, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, I was I was geeking out a bit. Nothing me you too. Can't tell you can't tell. Yeah, um, I, I was geeking. Also, sure. I do love that Kofi popped in as soon as he got off the plane. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. He was like, "I'm not missing this." Um, that's amazing. You will be able to see uh, this interview in full if you if you want to catch the full thing on our Comic Book Nation YouTube page as well. So let's, uh, we didn't get to talk Mandalorian and we got to do comics and we're kind of edging up on time. So I'm trying to figure out, let's do. We can uh, talk Mando real Mando. quick. Let's talk Mando and yeah. then do, yeah. So let's talk Mandalorian. Uh, this was the, I remember when we were talking about the premiere, this is the one, the second episode, uh, some reviewers got to see uh, them together. Mm -hmm. And there was the tease of that. It was just very different from that opening premiere. Uh, and it, and it, and it was uh, very much. So uh, I first, for one person who loved the premiere and kind of for all the reasons why I just love this series in general, I also really liked this episode, you know, but for just a lot of different reasons, look, Grogu is still at the, at the center. Uh, him and Mando's dynamic is, is amazing. The fight scenes were dope. I, I love how we actually got some arc on, you know, Bo-Katan and we got to see some of that, uh, you know, that edge just come off just a little, just a little to where she's been and what she's gone through. So I really enjoyed this episode. I'm, I'm really digging the season so far, but what'd you guys think? I, I want to eat crow because I feel like last week I was really, really hard on the premiere episode and I was kind of just like, Oh my God, this is so corny. Like I, this is for kids This doesn't touch Andor for me. I feel like a dingling because <laughs> interview. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I, I am eating crow. I think this was an incredible episode. It was thrilling. I loved like I, I loved the information we received. Are we spoiling? I don't know. Fred. Yeah, we can spoil. Yeah, spoil it. Spoil it. Keep spoiling. Um, but I I love I love the world that we are in. I loved Bo Katan. Am I saying it right? Is it Katan or Katan? It's a made up name, so call it. I go want. off Perfect. of what like I've Bo. heard other people I like say. Bo. I <laughs> um, a lot, like a lot. And Grogu is um, clearly like growing up a little bit and, and being a little bit more independent. And it's really cool to see because he's actually able to, to help on a different level. And that is really awesome. Um, like there's character development with the little one and that's fun. <laughs> like that's so great. And that's yeah. not something I asked for and they're giving it to me anyways. So I am, I'm loving it. I'm back on the Mandalorian. I'm happy to say you won me over and I wish you would have just released the two episodes because <laughs> it makes a huge difference. So yeah. Uh, Connor. Connor. Yeah, this really could have been one long episode if they had wanted it to be. If you yeah. just had Bo-Katan be like, yeah, I'll come with you. That would have been that we would have saved some time, but it did give us baby Yoda in peril and off to the rescue, which is the easiest sell in the world for me when it comes to enjoying this show. Um, I find it very interesting that we are dealing with faith in this third season because we talked a bit about that last week and how um, Din is clearly just, he's, he was a, he was raised in this cult like environment and for him going to that water was this religious this religious experience and for Bo it was just yeah I was I was playing the part of being a princess and yeah I step in the water say the words I get out and it's not a big deal and I think it's fascinating how at the end of this with the mythosaur you know poking his big old head out and being like what does this mean for everybody involved now that this thing that it's the equivalent of the dragons in house of the dragon and game of thrones, where it's like, this was the game changer 
for a big portion of Mandalore history, and now it's back. And what does that mean for everything when all of the remaining Mandalores are spread across the galaxy? The planet itself is glass at this point from being blasted to hell by the Empire, which is no longer on the table. It raises so many questions, and it's fascinating to see what direction this is going with now. And I also like how the show is not afraid for us to get frustrated with Mando. When he pulls out the dark saber and he still can't quite hold it, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of in those early seasons of Pokemon when Ash would throw out Charizard and dude would just be sitting there. And it's like, you still haven't figured out how to use this guy yet. Come on. So for him wow. not to know how to use the sword, I'm like, oh, dude, please figure this out. And then for him to like be starting to recite the thing and immediately get pulled under and just hit the floor. It's like, are you just an idiot? Because Bo's got to run in and save you again after that weird droid thing caught you in like two seconds. But I like that he's fallible, and I like that we're seeing this character grow and develop over time. So yeah. no, this this was this was a fun one. Yeah, I do. Damon brings up that he he almost died three times during right. this episode. I but I agree with you. I think it's hilarious that like he pulled that out and was like, oh, he's gonna use the dark side. Oh no. No, <laughs> no, he's still it's can't. Like, oh, he's it's still so can't. heavy. I'm like, dude, <laughs> he still can't quite use it. Uh, but it's yeah, this this episode was just so. I love this series, and I just love what this show does. And I agree. I think the looking into the complexities of differing opinions on faith and how different people approach it is is awesome. I love that as a through line through the whole thing because we get to see different characters play in that sandbox. And I think it's really interesting. And also by the end, maybe we have our lead character, not even, I don't want to say like this, you know, like uh, go against his faith or anything, but he has, I hope that by the end of it, he has a new understanding of what it actually means and things. So I, I love, I love what they're doing here. Uh, let's move into comics to round things out. We're going to stay on the DC side first with the adventures of Superman, John Kent, number one, we have on the show kind of ducked in and out of John Kent's stuff. I know we've we've actually read a lot of his kind of story in action and other things. We haven't done actually a lot of like reading of his core book. So now with a new number one, this really kind of uh, not throws you in on the deep end, but hits you like hits you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> with its like first couple pages. Uh, but I thought it was effective. I, I thought, you know, Tom Taylor does a really good job of like setting the stakes early. Uh, that's just the thing he does in a lot of books and he does it very well. And then you really get into the, like the character stuff as time goes on. And there's some earth two fun, some moving into different, you know, universes and things uh, that I enjoy on the DC side. Uh, I know Kofi's never as keen on that side of things as I am. But uh, but I really enjoyed this, and I thought it's going to help. I think the premise of having John face someone that really robbed him of so much is a, for him is a necessary step in his growth, both as a hero and as a character. So I'm I'm very excited for that. Uh, and I mean, it's it's also really pretty. It's a really pretty. <laughs> it's a really pretty book. What do you guys think, Matt? I'm gonna need some uh, some edumacating here on this mm -hmm. one because. You know, it says right there on the cover, Road to Injustice. Yes. And we're introduced very early on into, I guess it's a, is it a version of Ultraman? Is it the same Ultraman that we've run into all the, every time before? Same Ultraman. So yeah. same Ultraman. But if we're doing Injustice, is it the same Superman from those games? Because he never went by Ultraman. So the Injustice thing, I don't know. And the games have know. alternate endings, like based yeah. on how you do that second ending. So that was actually one of the things that kind of confused me at first, because I don't actually, from what it's been a minute since I've read the Injustice series. So I don't like off the top of my head, like recall every single <laughs> detail of that. Uh, I don't, it, I don't know how much this actually, yeah. Like I think Brywood makes a point. I don't think in this one, they've really touched on that yet because this didn't really have anything to do with that. No. Like I don't, I mean, it was very much a, it is a road. But I in here, they don't touch on that at all. And that's what kind of shocked me because by the end, I was like, well, I didn't really see a connection because like all the stuff with, uh, you know, Valzad and like Earth 2 and all that has been playing out in the lead up to Dark Crisis and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. This was more about that. 
I didn't see anything injustice related other than they're just teasing it. <laughs> so I was very, I was kind of confused on that. Uh, but as a, like a core story, I enjoyed it, but yeah, I didn't see that. Janelle, what'd you think? Yeah, I mean, I loved this. I was in it. Like I, I was the story, like everything. I was very distracted. We have someone visiting and the guys were playing Mario Kart and I really wanted to play Mario Kart. And uh, I was like, guys, I have my homework. I have to watch. I have to read my comics. And I had so much chaos going on around me. And I started reading this and I was just in it. Like I was sucked in. I did. I kind of like forgot the world around me, which is so funny that Tom said that because that is exactly what happened with this book for me. Like, I don't even, it, I couldn't, I didn't know what was happening around me. I was just in it. So I, <laughs> I don't know why I loved this so much, but I was, I've just like, maybe it's the storyline that is just really interesting, but I am just, I, I really, really liked this one a lot yeah. and it a, wasn't a, too long. <laughs> no, I, I will. I, I have the same thing. I actually, looked at the the copy and was like oh crap i'm on the last like two pages <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, sure. yeah. It, it went by super fast you know and and uh you know i i really enjoy this and also it's a very good year for superman like, superman it the is. superman family stuff has been killing it lately wow yeah uh, moving into and also by the way if you haven't been reading john's stuff there's there's a lot of callbacks and and things obviously but this is actually a very good starting spot i, I agree I don't think you need a lot of that stuff. It, it makes it better, especially the stuff with, um, you know, his relationship and and also like how the family dynamics grown. But this is a very good starting spot. Um, yeah. Next, Marvel's Bloodline, Daughter of Blade number two. Uh, I gushed about the first issue of this. I, I adored it. I thought they were doing it's it's gorgeous number one. But also, I just thought they were doing some really interesting things with uh, with Brielle and, and Saffron, her mom. And in this one, I really enjoyed this issue too. I will say the there's a character that kind of takes the majority of the attention in this issue, who is Whitney. And that's a character that obviously is going to play a major role in Brielle's life moving forward. I wasn't as invested in her because I don't know what it is. It's just like as a character, like she's just it wasn't clicking with me yet as to like why I wanted to see more of her friends and I wanted to see more of her mom and I wanted to see more of those relationships as opposed to her dynamic with Whitney, but I still really enjoyed this issue a lot. And I like the action and, you know, if they can develop Whitney and we see kind of the dividends paid from this, then great. Um, but I, but I still really enjoyed it as an issue. What'd you guys think? Um, I, I'm with you there with Anna on Whitney. She felt like just another monster hunter that yeah. it's like, you guys are going to be friends eventually hurry up and get to that point. Like we get yeah. it. You were raised to hate monsters. You think she is one, you're not going to be. I've seen this in 20 different superhero cartoons. Um, also, <laughs> uh, I, as I was reading this, I'm just like, how is this not the angle we're going with for the movie? Like, we, we've had Blade. We, we've had three yeah. Blades. If we're bringing Blade back, we've already introduced, hey, dude's got a daughter. She's also a vamp. Let's run with that. I Look, I mean, I am not going to disagree <laughs> with you there i think this character has a lot like we talk about yara on the dc side how that character just has like limitless potential in other mm -hmm. mediums this character has that if they want to run with it she has multimedia powerhouse written all what, over her She's also with that being said once blade did show up i felt like the comic went like that and just immediately elevated because like okay daywalkers here well and that I'm was the same thing in issue one right yeah. that's how they did it in the last and that's why issue three like should be a huge payoff because it seems like we're finally going to get some real movement on their front. Janelle, what'd mm -hmm. you think? I know you yeah. liked the first issue. I did. And I, I do like this one too. Uh, it's one of those, um, when I'm reading it the whole time, I'm like, okay, so when are they coming out with the show? Like, or the movie? <laughs> yeah. it feels like they are writing it for a like teen drama, like Vampire Diaries or something. Like I'm, I'm ready to like <laughs> watch it. Um, I wouldn't say it's like my favorite thing ever, but I'm, I'm. It's really cool. Like I like what they're doing. I'm very interested. I mean, even just the name, like Bloodline. That's so good. Like it's just, it's yeah, great. It's like yeah, I, Matt, we've never, we haven't had a deal with a Bloodline lately, have we? No, no, no. There's a lot of love for the Bloodline going around. Also, geez, her real name, Brielle. That's a 
dope name. It is. <laughs> I name. love that name. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, I, I enjoy this and I'm really excited for three because this, this does a lot mm -hmm. of setup that, that blade confrontation at the end, how that's going to play out. That's the one we've been waiting for. And so I cannot wait for all the parents and Brielle to be in a room. Like that's, that's ultimately the issue I want. So this gets us there. Um, that is comics. Of course, you can check out more of our comics coverage and our coverage on games and shows and movies on our official YouTube page, Comic Book Nation. So definitely check that out. We will have the Tom King interview there and we will have some other fun uh, bonus content coming as well. You can, of course, also check out our audio version on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every, all of your other podcast providers. And then, of course, if you want to see all of our articles that we write, you can check it out on comicbook.com and you can check out janelle's amazing face always on her channel when she streams oh she... thanks for plugging that matt of course you're uh, so sweet it was it was international women's day the other day and i was working on legos oh. <laughs> you guys this is my Ooh, bowser that i'm working on cow. so we still need to do the shell and stuff but yeah that's what i've that's oh, that's man. my I need to get one of those. that's awesome if you guys like Legos, <laughs> I stream those too. <laughs> what an yes. ending. I don't think we could have done a better ending. So uh, <laughs> definitely check us out next week. But until next time, deuces. Bye, guys. Later. <laughs>